Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing life by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force at various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. Hello and welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. I'm your host, Mindy Harley. Today's episode, I am pumped to have Daniel Shankin on the show with me. Daniel is an integration coach, and he's also the founder and program director of TAM Integration. So this is a psychedelic integration support system. Really cool stuff. We had an awesome chat. You know, we talked about the ego, meditation, what psilocybin can show you, what to expect from psychedelic integration and how you should be taking these modalities into consideration um, if it's your first time, if you're a little bit more seasoned. So we kind of walk you through what to expect in some of these psychedelic integrations and kind of what goes on with that. But we are also talking about the upcoming Psilocybin Summit happening September 17th throughout the 20th. And this is an online event, so very cool. You're not usually able to get to go to this kind of event with the magnitude that it is considering the amount of guests, uh, speakers that are going to be there. And I'm really excited because I'm going to be moderating it. And you have the opportunity to tune in. So let's get started into this episode. And if you like, hey, feel free to comment, leave me a message, shoot me a DM. I love hearing from you guys. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit more about how you got started into this and your journey into it? Okay. Well, I sort of, I do like to say that, you know, I'm the least interesting thing about TAM integration. You know, I feel like I'm the least interesting thing personally about, uh, you know, psychedelic work. But, you know, the, the long and the short of it is I was doing a lot of recreational use like in college. You know, this was in the 90s. And I was also fortunately kind of doing a lot of yoga at the time. And one of the big kids who kind of saw that, like, you know, I was maybe a little off balance, pushed be here now into my hands mm. and said, you, you know, read this kid, you'll be okay. And... And so I read Be Here Now, and in the back of Be Here Now, there was, you know, because it talks about Ramdas's journey, you know, yeah. his his journey from being a, a scholar and a therapist and a researcher to being, you know, the spiritual practitioner that we all know and love. And one of the things he said in there was, you know, psychedelics are really good for showing you the top of the mountain, but if you want to be able to live up there, then you have to do your own work. Right. And so by the top of the mountain, what I mean is a lot of times we will have these experiences and we'll experience life in a way that feels more real than ordinary reality. You know, we'll feel universal love. We'll feel at peace with ourselves. We'll be able to see our faults and have the compassion to work with them to grow and be better and all kinds of other things. That's the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. And 
a lot of us, you know, and this is one of the things that people come to me to talk about a lot is how do I maintain that state? Like I want to stay there. I don't want to come down. And when they say they don't want to come down, it's not about like visuals necessarily. You know, it's not about like the weirdness of psychedelics. So that's cool too. It's almost about this more wholesome relationship with ourselves in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of threw myself into yoga practice because I was like, you know, I was 24 years old and I was sort of like just out of college and like didn't really prepare for a job really. And I had an art history degree. Um, so I became a yoga teacher and just was like, okay, I'll just practice. I'll just do this then. And I became a yoga teacher and I became a yoga studio owner and ran a school and ran teacher trainings and meditation trainings for a while. And one of what I found was I liked one-on-one a lot more and I liked inquiry, right? Ask, you know, asking questions, digging deep a lot more than I liked um, doing sun salutations in rooms of 50 people with loud music. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, and so, you know, yoga teaching sort of turned into meditation teaching, turned into coaching, because that enables you to actually have a conversation with somebody. And if you do it right, it almost feels like you enter a meditative state with the person. Mm-hmm. Right? And you guys can work together to find uh, previously unconscious stumbling blocks. Yeah. And then from there, what started happening is as this sort of psychedelic renaissance started to, to occur, more and more people started showing up wanting to talk about this. Uh, with I, I think there's this either, either a vague understanding that I knew the territory, mm-hmm. or I just magnetized it. <laughs> you know, just law of attraction stuff. Yeah. And, and, and so much so that I was like, okay, well, we should start having integration circles. Like we should start having this is this is what the groups you know should look like is people who are working to heal and working to transform and people who just want to explore you know being able to get together and talk about their journeys together and do that with people who understand and in a place where there's not going to be stigma and there's not going to be a bunch of kind of convoluted um, maybe stupid que- stupid questions. You know, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Yeah. But as, as one of my friends said, when she tries to talk about her psychedelic experiences out in the world, she often feels like a cat whose fur is being petted backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you know yeah. she's trying to talk about like this, this very deep personal stuff and they're like, did you see aliens? <laughs> you know, that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> so that's sort of you know the elevator. You know, maybe we went up and down, but that's sort of the elevator story yeah. of of what what's going on, what we're up to. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So now, I mean, you're actively how many how many do you facilitate a year, and have you seen that the the demand for that go up? Um, maybe even especially within like the last year um, or so. Well, we do a group every week. Every week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we did, you know, last year we did a group every month. And those were in person. Right? So it's mm-hmm. sort of, 
you know, when we all started staying home a lot more, it seemed like a good time to have more groups. You know, I mean, and, and also because it, it, it feels silly to say it's a lot of work to drive to a place and unlock a door and light a candle. Yeah. But it kind of is, <laughs> you know, as opposed to just sitting in front of your screen and turning on Zoom and, and being there for people. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people do seem to want meaningful connection in these times. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so, so it's about, you know, it's about once a week, and then we try to do educational events here and there. We'll have a, you know, a conversation with an author who wrote a book or you know, a therapist who's doing really good work or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So specifically like, and you, and you started with, um, you know, back, you did, uh, you know, psychedelics recreationally back in the nineties, which was, um, something like my first recreational experience with psychedelics was in the nineties as well. And it's definitely been, um, really great to see just, um, the stigma being lifted. And like you said, with the whole Renaissance, um, where where we are now, and especially with now more decriminalization going um, going further, do you feel that um, definitely that people should have a, a I what I want to say is like have better access to these tools, these modalities? Um, like, do you are are you on the side of pushing this like straight? Like, let's just like legalize it right away, or do you still err on the side of caution that this is something that? not necessarily everyone should like maybe dive into cause they won't get, they won't have necessarily the teachings that they need. Well, not everybody should dive into anything. Um, psilocybin is safer than alcohol. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we can start there. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. Our, our prisons are full of people who are under the influence of alcohol when they committed their crimes. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, we, when we start talking about prisons and we start, start talking about the drug war, it gets it, it, it's a real big topic. So I would probably want to make decisions about legality based on science and a compassionate view of science, mm-hmm. which would probably end up decriminalizing all drugs, right? And would probably put a lot more emphasis on treatment and healing and taking care of our populations and quite often our most vulnerable populations and um, our most disenfranchised, you know, like, like marginalized communities, right? We know that the drug war is racist. We know that the um, prison, for-profit prison system is racist, you know, that it's not news, right? It's not news to anybody. Um, What that has to do with people exploring their own consciousness, I don't see why adults can't do that. And there is enough information out there. Like when I was a kid, you know, and a kid, you know, is even like 17, 18, 19 years old, um, I managed to find the information. Um, What I am finding is more and more people are, the people who are showing up are people who are cautious and want to do their homework, which is interesting. Because when I was a kid, I was doing my homework, but I was also a little bit of a berserker. Yeah. You know, I just was like ready to go for it and, and 
kind of try something new, and I kind of knew that the world I was living in, there's something a little off about it, you know, almost like, um, you know, a wrinkle in time sort of way, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, this, there's something a little off here, and, and the thing about recreational use is that it often starts recreational, but it doesn't end recreational. Right? It yeah. starts recreational and it becomes ceremonial mm-hmm. and it becomes sacred, right? Because what we often discover is that we are essentially sacred beings. Like, oh my God, yeah. like, I'm, ho- I'm holy. Oh my God, like I'm amazing and beautiful and wonderful and I'm like at one with the universe and I'm connected to all things. Who knew? Yeah. Right? And so the. Bells and whistles of external religiosity um, are entered, are fun, but not required. Yeah, you know. And so it's really nice when I see people kind of create their own ceremonies for themselves. You know, and I do know people who do you know psychedelic assisted therapy, and that's great stuff. And you know, I do know people who do work with traditional shamans and that's great too and then I know people who get together with their friends and they build an altar with the cool stuff they have laying around and you know they draw mandalas themselves and they put together a playlist that is half South American chanting and half kirtan and it's got a little bit of you know the moody blues in there and they have their own sense of the sacred right it's it's the the externals are just that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I want people to do what they want. And I'm just going to trust them. Yeah. And it's like, and it's having that, and having that trust too. So, I mean, yeah, it's just funny seeing like a lot of people that are starting to become more interested in it are, are starting to see, you know, the, the science behind it, starting to see, um, you know, everyday people, um, using it like they wouldn't have expected before. Like, Oh, okay. Like you're, you, you did mushrooms on the weekend. Yeah, it was great. Like, Oh, like what? It's kind of like their, their norms and their, their realities are starting to get like kind of broken into where they're becoming aware that there is, there is help for them that is maybe necessarily, um, not in a, not in a pill bottle. Um, but I think a lot of the times too, they have, they haven't really realized that a lot of it is a lot of inner working, within that, you know, it's, it's a facilitation process. It is, it is a working through, it is a, it is a going within as much as it is, you know, going for, you know, they, they think about the experience and they ask about the aliens and stuff, but there, there's so much more deeper, deeper Mm -hmm. levels and layers to that as well. Right. Which is not to say there aren't things to learn from the aliens. Yes. <laughs> this is not to disrespect the aliens. Yeah, it's not, it's not to say that's what I mean. If that, that's your main focus going in, I mean, it's like, you know, just remember here, it's like, stay focused. <laughs> that was well, the thing, it's like, interesting I'm, that I do know people, I, that, you know, I do know particular psychonauts who do seem to feel like they're engaged in, like an, like an evolution of the species that involves relating to beings from other dimensions and planes Mm -hmm. and that's good work too yeah you know there's like almost a very it's almost an elite crew yeah yeah. like a lot of us are just sort of like 
dealing with our unworthiness and our self-doubt. And these guys are sort of like showing up like the Lacti Federation meetings. <laughs> yeah, and that is just, you know, that's, God, God, God bless them. You know? That, that is an entire, entire new level that, I, that I, I'm not sure if I, like, I've even, I mean, as far as my ayahuasca dealings and stuff like that, but um, and that was an entire journey, I think. I think now, um, from where I am, that would probably be something that I'd want to work, definitely would want to work up to, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I know. can maybe get you a couple of them on the, on the show if you want at some point. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely would uh, love to uh, to pick their brains for sure. So with your your experiences and, and psychedelics and everything, like coming from experience... Um, you know, what would you what would you have to tell um, my viewers? What would you tell my viewers about um, what what they might what they what they should expect? Like, should they have expectations? Like, what would you what would you say from all your years of experience uh, for someone wanting to um, use psychedelics to uh, you know for their for this next part of their journey? Well, it's really nice to. To do a few things, uh, you know, right off the bat, what I'm thinking is see if you can do a little bit of introspection to think about what might come up, mm -hmm. right? Because quite often, what happens is there's some there's this part where you sort of question everything about your life, and then there's sort of you know, and that's the thing. So you might end up asking yourself hard questions, um, you know, how to in the in the Talking Heads theme. You know, like, like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. like, like, whose life is this? Um, and that can be really interesting. And there's also the kind of an inventory process that's not too dissimilar to maybe like a 12-step thing, um, where, and interestingly enough, I'm, I'm meeting more and more people who are in recovery who are finding the psychedelics helps their recovery from things like alcohol or like seriously addicted drugs. And, and they find that um, what they get out of something like psilocybin helps keep them sober, you know, in, in, in the true sense of the word. Mm -hmm. But what happens, right, you see in the science is that quite often these substances create new connections in the brain that weren't there before and increase our creative thinking, our critical thinking, and our ability to make new connections. So as a result, we see a lot of our mistakes, right? Because we, we, are, we literally become smarter. Mm -hmm. right? our, brain, our brain is literally functioning better. <laughs> yeah. And so what ends up happening is that the mushroom, for example, points out a bunch of mistakes you made, and that can either be really enlightening, like, oh, right, I didn't think about that, I could have just been nice to that person. Or, oh, I wanted something and I could have just asked for it. You know, these simple, simple things, you know? Yeah. You know, that, that a little bit more creativity and a little bit more kindness can go a long way. And the thing is, however, have you heard of rejection-sensitive dysphoria? I have not. So it's, and it's often associated with like ADHD. Yeah. And it's basically when somebody tells you you're wrong or you're bad or you did something that wasn't right, the 
sensitivity is like big. Mm. You know what I mean? Somebody <laughs> tells you like, hey, you know, the, the, um, the chicken's too salty. And you're like, oh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so the thing is, is that a lot of us have grown up with lots of criticism, right? And, and have ended up with self-hatred and self-loathing and uh, this self-criticism, this, this like inner hatred, like really is built up, right? Which is sad, mm-hmm. right? Which is heartbreaking, so then the mushroom comes along very good-natured and is like, well, here's a list of things that you did wrong and here's like a bunch of ways that you could do better. And it can crush us, right? Whereas like it's just doing – it's just it's just because you're smarter right now. Yeah. Right? It's like the, the mushroom isn't bringing the self-hatred. It's revealing the self-hatred you already had. So it's like if there is a way for you to practice loving yourself ahead of time, like that's only going to like benefit. Mm. Like meta, meta meditation practice, right? Like self-love meta practice yeah. um, really, really works and really starts to program our mind to kind of default towards kindness to ourselves and others, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so one of the things that I really work on, I have a, a four-week class called Sitting for Psychonauts, and it is a meditation intensive where we practice doing meditation practices that train the mind to be stable and easy. You're familiar with you know, Stira and Sukha, for yeah. those of you who know the Yoga Sutras, right? So it's like, how do we create Stira and Sukha in the mind so that when things are going a mile a minute in like nine dimensions is like phantasmagoria that there's like enough kind of executive control to just stay kind and present. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, I don't know. Was that at yeah. all? No. That yeah. That I think, no, that was, that was great. And I think that was probably, that was probably the best, the best advice for, and I hope, I hope it doesn't go over a lot of people's heads either. How important <laughs> how important um that is and that self that self-love and you're right you know with, with what you mentioned with um you know we just have this this self-hatred for years you know we've been it's so so self-critical and all the time we've been told no or this is not right or this is wrong and you did this wrong and that's wrong and it's just been years of that and that's mm-hmm. just been <laughs> it's just waiting to go off inside and it's it's gonna be people's gonna be people's triggers and you have to Heal that first by loving by loving yourself and forgiving yourself and being mm-hmm. easy with yourself and gentle with yourself as well and also you know releasing and letting go from you know whether it's an, an uncle that always gave you a hard time and now you, and that sort of thing or your your parents or a family member or a friend um, you know it's it's releasing that that energy as well and providing that forgiveness um, for them in that event as well and learning from that too right. Um, which is, which is big, which I, which I don't think, um, that, that forgiveness part. And it's, and I mean, there's this, there's still that ego, I believe, like clash with a lot of people that, um, why, why I feel that loving yourself, like you said, that, um, information that you said, just having that practice first going in, um, Mm -hmm. is really just going to set the bar, I think. Right. Because people, there's, there's a kind of a trope that goes around social media. 
of, you know, wanting to kill the ego. And, I mean, that's problematic in a lot of ways. Because who would be the one that's killing the ego? Right? It's like only the ego would want to kill the ego anyway. Yeah. Right? And also the ego is sort of an illusion anyway. So how do you kill something that doesn't really exist? And also, seemingly, it always comes back. Right? So the thing sort of gets... We, we, we sort of like we we step out of it for a minute because it, it's it's another external, right? It's mm-hmm. like just it's like a shirt, you know, it's a shirt. So so we talk about kind of killing the ego. We don't always talk about conscious construction and maintenance of the ego, right? Because like we are like like. Like, there's a Mindy character and a Daniel character, and they're just sort of, like, doing their routines right now. Yeah. And it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You know, it's like, we've got, you know, however many more years on the planet, you know, in the bodies with the egos, and they've got to do something. And, you know, so hopefully we're just sort of turning them in the direction. We're just tuning them up to be something that sort of increases the sum total of positivity on the planet. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's the whole thing is like, you know, the, the ego, it's not necessarily, it's not killing the ego, it's it's that balance. Um, and it's like you said with the shirt, it's it's, 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 it's taking off the shirt and it's being consciously aware and, ha- and choosing better, um, better thoughts, mm-hmm. um, better choices in that moment. Um, you know, especially with people who might have a, a knee-jerk reaction to something all the time, it's it's learning to pause yourself in that moment before the knee-jerk mm-hmm. reaction and stopping yourself beforehand. So, yeah, definitely agree with you on that one there. Um, definitely don't think the ego, you know, the whole thing about killing the ego, it's definitely, it's like, who, like you said, who are you going to kill? <laughs> well, and who is this character that wants to do the killing? Yeah. I mean, that sounds like ego to me. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. And it was kind of, I just finished reading this practice too with um, taking everything out of the room, um, Deepak, and, you know, t- going, going to sitting in a room, imagining a room, and then taking, taking everything out of the room, imagining everything's there, taking it out all piece by piece, uh, and then you're in the room, and then, you know, it's still, and then the walls and the ceilings go, and everything's gone, but, but you're, st- but you're still there. You're still mm-hmm. there imagining that and you can put it all back. So that, that awareness, you're always, you're always there. So it's, that's a, to me, it just made me think of that as well. Like you're, you're always there. And what is, what is the ego then? Who wants to kill the ego? Mm-hmm. Like and what are the qualities of the thing that's always there? Right. It's, it's like, seems to be presence and love and compassion and wisdom anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like we're, we're trying to contort ourselves into this, possibility of loving ourselves when it's our true nature anyway yeah (laughs) why are we fighting it (laughs) yeah it's it's sometimes like i hear people poo poo the idea of relaxing there's almost this idea of like oh relaxing means that i am ignoring my problems and like sitting by the pool with an umbrella drink Whereas when we really like sit and like relax the deeply held tensions in our bodies and our minds, 
we reveal the truth, yeah. right? Like, like, like the, the world needs us to be more relaxed. You know, it's like this heavily armored, um, you know, people fighting, like, like voting for whoever, whichever candidate you want to vote for doesn't require you to clench your jaw. You know, like you don't have to fight. Like it doesn't require armoring. It's like yes, okay, you want to do you want to do the voting thing, and maybe you even want to like campaign or like you know speak your truth about what you think is a better way for the country to go. But it's like, why does this require all of this um, binding, self-binding? Mm-hmm. You know, all of this kind of you know. I, I guess there's all kinds of like terror and self-righteousness, but it's. That's again not who we really are. Yeah, yeah, and it just seems to it just seems to further. I know the more prolonged that goes on to, goes on for. Um, you're just harboring. You know, like I said, like the clenched jaw or the clenched fist, and just harboring that emotion, that tension in the body mm-hmm. builds up over time. You can you can you can you can speak your truth or say what you have to say, and you can say it from a place of of love or you can mm-hmm. say it with your with your hands around their around their neck and screaming and stuff and it's you know it's you're you're causing that discord um but i mean the message mm-hmm. can still be the same there was one time when i was kind of high you know i was doing sort of like a casual ceremony with friends mm-hmm. out in nature by the by the water and there was this moment where I started to get like anxious and nervous and I was like, something's not right. Like something's not okay. It's like maybe my friends don't actually like me or maybe something bad is about to happen and I don't know what it is. And I'm like getting a little, I'm getting a little upset. I'm not really sure how I'm going to handle what's about to happen. Unfortunately, you know, this meditation practice, this is where the meditation practice comes in handy. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh calls it the miracle of mindfulness. This voice popped into my head and it said, have you thought about relaxing your shoulders and unclenching your fists? <laughs> and so I unclenched my shoulders and I unclenched my fists. And you know what? Like everything was cool. Like it was just old stuff yeah. that had come to the surface that the, the smart part of my brain, because right, I was smarter right, than usual, it was like, oh, you just like don't do that. It's like, oh, okay. And how often are we reacting to the world based on just the fact that my shoulders are tight? Mm-hmm. And I blame the world, but it's this tension I'm carrying around with me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's being, it's being non-reactive like that. And I was thinking the other day, and it was really funny, and I kind of just had this thought, you know, because we're, we're in this world. And this is just something that I've been, it's kind of a meditative thought after my um, usual routine. And... There was a meme. Oh, you've probably you've probably seen it. Did <laughs> I make it? I don't. I'm not sure. Um, but it's the <laughs> you might have. Um, I'll tell you what it is, and maybe maybe you maybe you'll you'll know. But it's this woman. She's sitting in the roller coaster, like this. All oh, right. And it's like when you you know. But it's the headline is like you know when the universe has done so much shut shit to you, whatever, and you you just you know it goes over your head. Right. But what's funny is that you know if we think about. Uh, how, being in life and being that non-reactive and just having that sit that feeling of safety and love when you think that when you go to a ride um if you've ever been to like universal studios or wherever you, you sit in one of those rides and it's all the holographic stuff and pew, 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 and it feels reactional and it feels real and 
you're not having necessarily the same response. I mean, you're having the same response of like these, these jet fighters firing at you. I mean, obviously you're going to be in terror or, you know, you're going to be scared for your life, but you're in a ride and you know it's a ride and you, you kind of react, but you're still like, oh, it's, it's great. And you're enjoying the ride and you're laughing. And that's an amazing place to finally be in, I think, in life where you can just kind of be here now and mm -hmm. everything that's around you where you're looking at, you're not attaching, you know, a, a feeling or an emotion to it. You're not having an opinion about it. You're just accepting for it for what is and not, right. and not having that, you know, just going through life and being like, oh, yeah, okay, this has happened. All right, this happened, you know, and not, you can let it have, you know, you, it's not to say you can't have those moments that are going to affect you. I'm sure you're going to get bad news and you're going to need to obviously have your time. But I mean, just throughout your regular day in, day out and daily activities, just being a little less um, non-reactive and just understanding um, kind of mm -hmm. the bigger picture. Right. That when we start to dismantle that energetic, those energetic triggers, right, which is often like a big job of dismantling. Right, it's 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 almost like we carry around these supernovas, and then the vibrational supernova, and then you know the uh, a tuning fork gets run, and then it acts up. Mm -hmm. You know, we get cut off in traffic, and then it's like all of the hate, you know, ten thousand years of hatred is suddenly <laughs> there for some reason. Yeah, is that when we dismantle that, we start to see that like, oh, I I have a choice about how I react to things. Mm -hmm. Like just because somebody cut me off or was rude, it's like I can remain centered in love. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you look at that? Would you just look at it? Um, but yeah, it's it's being it's being aware and making those and you know having that self awareness, which I think also too. Um, if, if you, if people that haven't necessarily explored into, you know, psilocybin or psychedelics, um, you know, and I, and I understand it's not necessarily for everybody, but it's just definitely taking a moment doing personal inventory and audit on yourself. And if it's not through meditation, I'm a big believer in, in meditating, um, just through my own experience. So I kind of, I've got, I'm kind of that one person to be like, you got to meditate. And I understand everyone may not be there yet. And for some people, um, it's not not their not their thing um which is fine but i think definitely if uh, getting at that meditative st go ahead i think you need to say something <laughs> i can wait oh, no. i just um, get excited and i wave my hands i'm just writing a note in the sky in the sky yeah <laughs> you know and i just i just feel like having you know at least starting first with mindful practices if you're not there yet um and if you're listening to this and now you're like oh wait like maybe Maybe I need to do a little bit more more personal work before I dive into this. I really definitely think like, you know, becoming more mindful and including more mindful practices um, throughout your day um, definitely is probably a, a, a great place to start as well. Yeah. And the thing is, is like sometimes people tell me that they tried to meditate and it didn't work. And I don't know what they're talking about because it's sort of like, like you, you are you do fitness and you're healthy. You seem like you're like healthy and exercise a lot. Right. And yeah. it would be sort of like if somebody came and was like, Oh, I tried fitness. Like you wouldn't know what they meant. It's like, well, did you lift weights? Did you go running? Did you play tennis? Like, yeah. you know, there's like, like there are, 
as many meditation practices as, as there are like stars in the sky. And so what often ends up happening is somebody goes to the YMCA, whatever, you know, or some yoga studio, and they took a meditation class with somebody who didn't know what they were talking about, right? Who learned meditation from somebody who didn't know what they were talking who learned meditation from a cranky monk, right? <laughs> and then they took one class, and then the person said something dogmatic and bossy to them, and they were like, this doesn't work. Whereas, like, I just, this is fun. I actually just, um, I recently moved, and I got, at my, my, my parents' house, I have boxes and boxes of yoga books that I haven't seen in, like, seven years. Oh, and wow. so I got one of them. And so it's like, I have this as an art book because we're art history. Uh But like, I have like all of these books that have different meditation practices in them. Yeah. You know? And it's like, if one doesn't work for you, this one's like all about like Ayurveda. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, there is a method for you out there. And it might not look like any meditation that you thought of before, it might involve moving. It might be standing. It might be seated. It might be lying on your back. It might, you know, it might be on a boat. It might be with a goat. You know? <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite teachers is, is actually your neighbor. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, I didn't quite catch that when you said that because I didn't, um, I didn't correlate, but, um, There's yeah. a guy named Lauren Rose. She lives in Marina del Rey. Oh, nice. And he translated a book called the Vijnana Bhairava Sutras, and he calls it the, the, the Vijnana Bhairava Tantras, and he, his translation is called the Radiant Sutras. And the Vijnana Bhairava Tantras is 112 meditation practices. It's an, it's an encyclopedia of meditation that's appropriate for householders, so you don't have to be a monk to do it. Right? There's a lot of meditation practices that like don't work if you're not a monk. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, the cool thing about that is it's like, oh, you find one you want. You find one that sort of makes the things that we were talking about available to you. Like, oh, right, my nature is love. Oh, right, I can relax deeply into myself. Oh, right, I can, like, give up the self-hatred. So, I mean, I hope that I'm not coming off too heavy-handed about the fact that meditation is too heavy-handed. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. And I think it's just one of those things where I think that you know, a lot of people that I've come across too that have said that I can't meditate, and and I was I was one of them too for the longest of time. You know, I had my own journey with um, meditation, and you know, I I definitely subscribed to the fact I had an overanalyzing mind for a long time. I identified with it, and that was. I was at and I thought it was a super tool that I had this overanalyzing mind and I could stay up for hours overanalyzing anything. I thought it was amazing. Um, But it was causing me so much distress in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was one of those people too. And I think a lot of people just have a different expectation. And what I realized and what was my aha moment as well was that for me, because I was a makeup artist, um, same thing, a little bit of journey. I didn't didn't quite end up going to college. I uh, I went to a tech block high school um, majored in arts, um, uh, applied to the, like my dream college. Everyone thought I was going to get in and got denied <laughs> and it like, mm. like broke my heart. So I, I went into makeup artistry, um, afterwards. That was my creative outlet. I need and, that. 
And it was, that was where I found that that was also my meditation when I did mm. my, when I did my makeup in the morning, quiet room, did it. And I just, you know, and the same thing, people say, you know, in the shower. And that was another thing too. And I tell people, it's just in those moments where you find yourself talking to yourself in like a gentle way, or even finding new things that come to you, or if it's just peace and serenity, enjoying the moment you are meditating, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're in that, if you're in that moment, um, and time stands still for you, you're probably meditating. Um, so if there's something that you can find yourself getting lost in, that can be your meditation as well. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that was kind of just the way I help with a lot of like my, my, um, my community that re- reaches out to me and asks me about that as well. Cause like I said, it's a, it's a small step, but, um, like you said, there's so many different practices out there and different meditations as there are, uh, stars in the sky. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And, and hopefully, yeah, they, they, they help us come back to ourselves. Yeah. They help us come home to ourselves. Yeah. Which I think is, kind of what we're looking for you know we're, we're living in a culture that can be very very alienating i mean not just to each other but but to ourselves mm-hmm. and interestingly enough it seems that the more at home we are with ourselves often the more able we're or the more able we are to connect deeply with others as well yeah well, and I and I hope that's definitely the um, you know where where it's I mean where I where I am in in California uh, and stuff and I don't like I've got friends in Canada and all over the world and um, you know it's I've definitely gotten a, a sense that people are definitely spending a lot more time um, thinking <laughs> about mm-hmm. about about themselves and their choices and what they want to do for the rest of their lives. So it's, it's kind of like we've, we've all been kind of got sent to our rooms <laughs> in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a sense. Um, but I, I definitely feel like a lot more people are going to come out of this a lot stronger than they were before. I hope so. I hope so too. Definitely hope so too. Um, of course, I mean, coming up, if people want to learn more, um, about psilocybin, you do have an event coming up. Yes. Yes. And this is the uh, Psilocybin Summit. Am yes, I correct the second that? annual. Second second annual. Okay, so you've already had one go at this. Amazing. Yes. Um I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't uh, uh, privy to that knowledge um, from before. So this is your second second annual. Um, yeah, we'll have to get you a link to the last year's yeah. talks. Definitely would love to see that. So you hosted it last year. Clearly it was a big enough success and demand for it that you're bringing it back a second year. Tell us more about that. It seemed like it would be fun. (laughs) Um, You know, well, last year when I did it, I was expecting a, a child. I was expecting a baby. And... There were all of these conferences. Yeah, there was sort of this ramping up of the psychedelic conference, and I had been to some, and I couldn't go to as many. You know, they're expensive. They're all over the world. I, mean, I have a pregnant wife at home. I want to be there. You know, like all of these things. And so I was like, well, wouldn't it? I, I can't be the only one who finds 
flying to Prague for the week, followed by flying to like Acapulco, prohibitive. <laughs> so let's create a conference that's online that lets people get together and talk about things and um, just sort of, I liked the alliteration of Psilocybin Summit. And there is a coalition, they're not doing a lot right now, but there's a coalition called the 920 Coalition. And I think they were trying to do for, nine, for psilocybin what 420 had done for cannabis. Mm. And so I was like, well, that's cool. We'll just, in September on 920, we'll do, <laughs> we'll do a, a conference. And I think that I wanted to do two days. And quickly we had too much content and it ended up being four days. Wow. And we made Thursday free because we want to make things accessible. Like this knowledge does have to be out there. We have to charge a little bit for it because, you know, expenses. Yeah. And, and so the idea is like how many psilocybin related topics can we come up with? Um, you know, I, there's a lot of research going on out there and, you know, we read articles about the research and that's good stuff, but that's not all that's happening. You know, there are people who are interested in the traditional healing aspects of this. You know, there are, there are people in Mexico and South America who have been using psilocybin to heal for, for a long, long, long time, you know, before the hippies got their hands on it. Uh, there are policy issues that are important. Uh, there are, let me look at my schedule here. Uh, we have, so Danielle Negrin, who runs the San Francisco Psychedelic Society, which is one of the longest running and largest psychedelic societies in the world, is very much into psychedelic recovery and you know, has been supporting an increasingly large recovery community which is amazing. Um, you know, we have therapists who are talking about things like the hero's journey right, and how psilocybin can turn you into and be an archetype in your own mythological story. And, um, you know, Kyle Bueller from Psychedelics Today. Probably one of my Today favorite is, ones. <laughs> what's that? Probably one of my favorite, uh, yeah, the hero, right. hero's journey. Yeah, so I mean, I could go on and on. You know, there's cultivation aspects. Um, you know, I have people who are working on creating a legal church framework, uh, you know, for First Amendment protections. Um, Rabbi Zach is going to be talking about kind of Jewish mysticism in psilocybin. He is one of the guys who did the, you know, they did a, a, a study, a psilocybin study with religious leaders. And so, you know, he's Very got cool. interesting things to say about that. And even things like um, how to be safe and aware in recreational settings. Um, how to, you know, heal from racial trauma we'll be covering. So this whole gamut. And I know, like, if you look at the schedule, some of it's a little weird. You know, and that's on purpose. This is one of my the bones that I have to pick with some of the conferences is that there's a lot of psychedelic conferences that are not very psychedelic. Mm. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's science and then there's like the venture capitalists 
who are like, I got high two years ago, and now I'm going to start a multi-million dollar company to create medical psilocybin. Yeah, and that's not that's not interesting. I mean, you hear that once you heard you hear it once you heard it all. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people who have been there are people on the schedule that you may have never heard of who've been doing this work for decades. You know, who've been doing ceremony work and client work. They've been like healing people underground at like great personal risk to themselves for decades. And, you know, they're finally feel like they have enough breathing room that they can talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of what's interesting to me is, is people who have been in the trenches for a while. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully that's interesting to your listeners. Too. Well, I mean, it's, they're going to get, they're going to get a little bit of everything, I think. And I, and I think what my listeners are most interested in are hearing from the people that have been working in the trenches for so long and for the decades of it. Like I don't, I, I'm, I'm sure they're savvy enough to, uh, yeah, it's the, like you said, the venture capitalists that have, you know, done it once or twice back in the day and then decided, you know, they're going to try and make a, a profit on it with some new fancy product. But. Which is interesting if you're also a venture capitalist, but not so much for anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting for that, but not, not so much. But I think where, what my um, listeners definitely want to hear more about is, yeah, these stories and what's been going on. And I think it's just a whole new world. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's going to be opened up to them um, for that. So this is happening um, September. And uh, you said the 920, which to me is like, it's mine and my husband's wedding anniversary. So I'm oh all about, God. yeah, so I'm like, oh, about 920. <laughs> like that is a great, I just How long have you been together? Well, it'll be five years. Okay. In September. We actually awesome. met 10 years ago and got reunited by the wonderful universe. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's been nothing but an amazing five years since it's we're, we're on our, we're on our own hero's journey story together. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I might put you on the spot here actually. Okay. Oh wow. All right. Maybe do you want to like moderate a talk or two? Wow. Maybe you want to be like, maybe you want to like interview somebody or moderate. I definitely would be down for that. Well, thank you so much for the honor, Daniel. Yeah. yeah. We've got a good bunch. So because you know, there's, there's speakers but then, like, you know, like, Mike Adelic, who runs the Mike Adelic podcast, who's, like, a pro interviewer, is doing one of the interviews. Like, Marisa Sturts, who's one of the, she works for Lucid News, you know, is moderating one of the talks. It's like, you know, we've got a, a couple, Mike Margulies, who, who does Psych Sims, he's moderating one of the talks. We've got, like, a really cool group of interviewers. You know, it's another, you know, it's, we're trying to really have, like, an all-star cast of the community. Awesome. Well, I'd be honored to join. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, was there anything else that you want to add, um, for the summit or what people can know, like tickets, that sort of thing. I know I'm going to put all the links and everything, uh, up like through my social community network and stuff. So I'll have you covered there, but directly right now, like where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Um, anything else you want to add to that, Daniel? Um, tamintegration.com. Um, my, Instagram is silly. My Twitter's a little more serious. My website has all of the information. Um, and psilocybinsummit.com has all of the speakers. And, you know, I'm available. You know, I'm available. 
Um, integration circles happen Wednesday night. They're free or by donation forever. So when they you know, and when they join an integration circle, what can they expect when they join in? So they're jo- joining just so they know. So they're joining like a Zoom meeting essentially, or is this like they're a? Jo- they're joining a Zoom meeting where everybody raises their hand and promises to be anonymous and confidential. You know, so you get to actually everybody looks in each other's eyes and be like, okay, we're creating a safe space here. And then people share their experiences and then other people reflect. And the nice thing about the group that we sort of created, we work very hard to create, is that reflections are non-advisory and non-directorial, right? And so it's sort of like we use I statements, not you statements, because if you were to share about something that was vulnerable to you, you don't need me being like, Mindy, what you need to do is. Nobody wants to hear that. What, what people like to hear is like, you know, I see that you're really going through a lot right now. I can really relate. Something like that happened to me. And it was like, I also saw the thing and I just did this. And it and it's sort of like, you know, it took me a minute but you know, to ground out, but I came out the other side. Right? And so it's just like kind of real supportive community of folks who see each other. Very awesome. And that happens weekly, you said? So is that like that every weekly. Which day of the week is that? Wednesday. Every six, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific. 6 p.m. Pacific Wednesdays. Okay, guys, well you heard it. So if you're already past all this and you're ready to jump into uh, one of these, definitely um, you know, connect with Daniel and definitely um, you know, give it give one of those ceremonies a chance and hopefully I know you're gonna get the support and um, elevation that you need in your journey. So Daniel, I just want to thank you again so much for coming on to the show today and for sharing your time. Thank you very much for that. Um, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. If you believe you're unfuckwithable, go ahead and share this podcast.